Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Sheila Zielinski Show for this Tuesday, February 26th, the day before Sheila's birthday. So happy birthday to me tomorrow. Uh, listen, we have a great guest today with all the green insanity. And of course, at the Oscars, what won? The green book won. And it's not my green book. But get a copy of my book, Green Gospel. You can just go over there to SheilaZielinski.com and pick up a copy. The book that effectively demolishes everything you think you might know on this Green New Deal. And we're going to get into that today with my favorite guest when it comes to all things green, all things climate craziness. It is the one, the only, Mark Morano. Welcome back to the program, my friend. It's great to have you back on. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Sheila. I appreciate it. So listen, I have not talked to you since you got back from COP24, the big United Nations Climate Change Conference this year in Poland. It was just here back in December. Boy, give us some highlights, some takeaways from that. Wow, that was interesting. Now, the COP meeting was in Poland this year, and it was in a town called Katowice. It was the third United Nations meeting in Poland in the last 10 years, and I've been to all of them. I've been to one in Warsaw in 2013, and I was one in Poznan, Poland in 2008. And what they've done is they're picking Poland because Poland is like 80% reliable on coal, and the United Nations tries to woo them by bringing in all of these jet setters, their hotel, restaurant. They're basically trying to buy off Poland every time they do it with goodwill by bringing in all this economic uh, help, which is a lot. I mean, these are huge conferences, 20,000 people, private jets cramming the runway. And the conference, the Polish people got back at them because they had the whole opening with a monument to coal, uh, coal on display, coal mining history. In Poland, coal miners are viewed as a high, one of the highest professions. It's related to Lekwalenza and the whole solidarity movement. So they're the most revered position. They have high benefits, high salaries. And Poland essentially was having none of it. They are, you know, they, I went and spoke at a Polish university and I told them the greatest threat that faces Poland's sovereignty and uh, economic freedom is no longer the Soviet Union or the Eastern Bloc countries. It was quite simply the conference that was going on down the street held by the United Nations. So <laughs> the Polish get it. The actual conference didn't accomplish much of anything. They just keep advancing the ball. You know, they keep ratcheting it up. And we learned at the conference that the UN Paris Agreement that was supposed to save us all in 2015, that John Kerry showed up with his granddaughter who signed the treaty for, for President Obama to save future generations actually isn't going to save us at all, even according to the UN. It's woeful and adequate and needs massive step-ups and commitments. So unfortunately, we didn't save the planet in 2015. That's the bad news I'm delivering to you today, Sheila. <laughs> well, I'll give you the worst news, Mark. The end is nigh. What do we have? Uh, 11 more years left. Right. We have 12 years, actually, according to... Well, I guess that was actually your last year. I guess you're right. It's like 11 and three-quarter years. <laughs> but the good news is the Green New Deal is a 10-year plan. So he gives us like, about a year and a half leeway. So we're good. We are good. Uh, Stalin had his uh, five-year plans and uh, AOC <laughs> has her 10-year Green New Deal. Now, hey, there's no equivalency. I just threw out a name. I didn't mention Hitler, so I just mentioned Stalin. He's okay to mention. Leftists don't have a problem with that. You just can't mention Hitler's name. No, no, you can't. <laughs> Even though uh, I did write about the Nazis and the Green Parallels. <laughs> but, you know, it, but it's amazing to me, this French intellectual article you've got about the end of the world. Talk about that. 
Yeah, this is, it, it's a fascinating thing. It's, it's, it's the same thing that happens on college campuses. Whenever you get, I hate to say the phrase overeducated, but it does bring to mind a quote from MIT climate scientist, Dr. Richard Lindzen about the, the global warming scare. He said, ordinary people get it. It's the educated who are very vulnerable. In other words, ordinary people know it's a bunch, of, it's a big con. It's the educated that fall for it. So my headline is radical idiots about the French intellectuals. And essentially there's a whole movement afoot in France right now where they essentially believe the end of the world is coming, and it's in part due to climate change, environmental damage, political upheaval, just social unrest. It's a whole thing where they think it's a coming collapse to where we're going to end up in sort of a Mad Max dysutopian world. <laughs> and it's very popular among the French right now. And I could actually understand, since these Yellow Vest protests, their whole worldview has been rocked. They thought they were going to solve global warming, impose all these ridiculous policies that even if you bought everything Al Gore in the UN said, would have no impact on the climate, but the public isn't having it. And not just college students, which we're used to here and, you know, you know a bunch of left-wing socialists like we have with, like, you know, what's that called? The old Wall Street? What's that called? The Wall Street protest we had a few years back. Whatever Wall Street. Uh, the protest. These protests in France, the Yellow Vest protests, are the middle class, the blue-collar class. This is a, this was a jolt and shock to the system. So I think whatever apocalypse they think's coming, in terms of political, they're, they're more convinced of it now than ever. But of course, they also buy into the whole tipping point concept. It's almost like the more in educated they get, the less intelligent they get, uh, if that's a fair thing to say. By the way, Occupy Wall Street. <laughs> Occupy. I couldn't remember Occupy. Yeah, Occupy. It's been a long time since I've heard that phrase is the problem. It was not the problem, but that's the reason. <laughs> well, now it's Occupy uh, every aspect of our life. Actually, Aldous Huxley would have salivated, well, probably Karl Marx would have salivated <laughs> at the idea of using Mark phony junk pseudoscience to convince the population that the end is nigh. And by the way, climate change will affect gender ratio among newborns, says always accurate CNN. And then, of course, you know, climate change is now causing obesity and non-obesity. And then we'll get into it's causing starvation and obesity. <laughs> it's just like kind of like it's causing more snow and less snow. Hey, whatever happens, we can blame it. But the interesting thing on this is climate change will increase undernutrition is what they call it through increased food insecurity from extreme weather events, droughts and shifts in agriculture. But it will also affect the price of commodities and potentially increasing the consumption of processed food. So in other words, climate change is starving us and forcing us to go to a crappy processed food diet, which will, even though we're underweight and dying, will eventually lead to our obesity. Can you follow this? I mean, this is just <laughs> wild-eyed speculation without any evidence. First of all, there's no increase in storms. They're actually on a decline on every metric from hurricanes, tornadoes, floods, and droughts. And secondly, they're actually having record crops and a greening of the planet Earth as CO2 has risen. So on, every, on, on all the key premises, this fails and on all key predictions it's absurd on the face of it but hey the weather channel ran with it this is highlighted on their page today huge study and they're all excited about it another reason to convince people that global warming too thin global warming too fat global warming well and senator spartacus wants to mandate vegetarianism so that's good too because you're talking about cory booker right yeah, yeah. <laughs> well he came out now interestingly enough the first of all the whole green new deal is plagiarism we have it with a jill abramson the new york times writer she's being accused of plagiarism admitting to it apologizing the green new deal is the ultimate in plagiarism and actually all the supporters everything they're saying was used by previous environmental scares overpopulation in the 1960s and 70s global cooling 
resource scarcity, species extinction, Amazon rainforest, all the solutions to those previous environmental scares have been radical, big government, getting off meat eating, altering agriculture, redistributing wealth, affecting our national sovereignty, global government, world government, whatever phrase they wanted to use. They've literally cribbed, copied, and plagiarized previous environmental scares solutions. And so Cory Booker, he just sounds exactly like the UN climate chief who a couple years ago, actually last year said, we need to start treating meat eaters in restaurants the way we treat smokers. Put them in their own section. Put them outside. They can't be in society. Even the impolite won't like smokers, to borrow a phrase from Seinfeld TV show. So <laughs> this is where we are. And so Cory Booker is not saying anything new. In 2007, the United Nations actually said that cow emissions from farting and, and methane were causing more damage to the climate than all of the transportation, airlines, planes, and trains combined. So all he's doing is what he's been programmed to say for decades in the climate movement. They've been, this is nothing new, nothing new about the Green New Deal, nothing green about it. It's actually very red, if you catch my subtle hint there. <laughs> yeah, it's called watermelons and green That's on the right. outside. Well, you know, well, come on, Mark. I mean, Han Solo is giving us an apocalyptic climate warning. Harrison Ford has jumped in on it. Are you surprised with all this Hollywood crew that is all, you know, they're all climatologists? Like, well, look at Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who, by the way, just said today on CNBC that it's legitimate for people to not want children because of climate change. But how bad is your deal when even the radical left is, you're getting pushback from them? Yeah, here's how far it's shifted. Follow me on this. Nancy Pelosi went to China in 2009 and announced, we need a complete inventory on every aspect of our lives in order to fight global warming. It's almost a verbatim quote. Yeah. Nancy Pelosi steered the cap and trade through Congress that later failed in the Senate because of the blowback from the congressman who passed it in the, or passed it in the House in 2011. Never even came to a vote. Harry Reid wouldn't allow it. So Nancy Pelosi has been a committed trooper in the global warming, climate alarm, scare business, and finding solutions. AOC has moved the party so far left, or it's shifted so far left, and she's a manifestation of it, that now Nancy Pelosi is calling the Green New Deal a green dream. And are you ready for this? Eric Holtice, a major climate activist in the movement, major figure along with Bill McKibben, Al Gore, is now openly calling Nancy Pelosi a, quote, climate denier for not getting behind the Green New Deal. So Nancy Pelosi, according to the new thinking of the AOC movement and Green New Dealers, is a climate denier because she's dismissing this and not jumping on board and pushing it legislatively. That is a significant shift in the Democratic Party. What's happened is, and here's the key, if you remember to mention Nancy Pelosi again, Obamacare was rammed through Congress for one strategically brilliant reason. It was very vague, didn't give a lot of details, and even Nancy Pelosi said at the time, we have to pass the bill to see what's in it. To the extent that AOC can leave the Green New Deal as a nebulous concept, her talking points frequently asked questions were outrageous. You know, we're going to stop farting cows, we're going to get rid of airline transportation, make it unnecessary, we're going to have incomes for unwilling people unwilling to work, I mean, all that crazy not, uh, stuff that they included. But what's happened here is if AOC gets more and more specific, the Democrats are going to get more and more terrified of this because you already have them signing on to the concept of it. And it's going to, it's you know, a lot of the mainstream Democrats are terrified of it. However, I'm not convinced it's going to go down because it's going to go down, I mean, being into defeat because I think the party has shifted so much. Bernie Sanders has really shifted the party. So in order to appease the base, they're going to have to support this Green New Deal. But I think someone's tapping on the shoulder of AOC and telling her less is more. Say less about specifics. Keep talking about this wonderful green dream, as Nancy Pelosi 
Pelosi called it, but don't give actual plan, don't give specifics, because you're going to kill us out there. Even our own fellow Democrats are not buying. If you watch Anderson Cooper's face on 60 Minutes when he was interviewing AOC, he actually said, in 10 years, we're going to get rid of fossil fuels. How is that going to happen? And I loved her answer. It's a, it's an aspirational goal. And he just had this face was like, oh, I don't know how to spin this one for you, lady. So it's a, it's a, it's a tough one. But they are, they've navigated this kind of stuff before. I'm not, if the next, Democrat, the next president is Democrat, we will see some implementation of the Green New Deal. I'm not sure how far, but it's going to move in that direction because all the Green New Deal is, it's 40 years of environmental left trying to get their agenda across using whatever scare they could, as I mentioned, overpopulation, resource scarcity, global cooling even. And so what's happened now is they are going to do whatever they can by hook or crook. And uh, you know, it's a question of Donald Trump's got the right attitude, expose it, call it socialism, call it what it is. But they, we also, on our side, I'd like to see our government go after the scientific underpinnings of it. Sadly, Trump administration probably will not do that. They're going to stick to the economic cuss. This article up over at Fox Business, Alexander Ocasio-Cortez's Green New Deal could cost $93 trillion. What is that at its finest? And where are these costs recouped? Problem with socialism is that you eventually run out of other people's money. Yes, yes, yeah. Well, by the way, AOC said that line, actually, at a, some student. She said, how are we going to... And, and I'm going to defend her for saying it, because it's something I've had a huge problem with for the last 15. When I was working in the United States Senate, I used to argue with other senators staff, conservative Republican senator staff, we have to go after the science. Because if you tell people the world's going to end and President Trump allows like the National Climate Assessment, which came out in October and warned of impending doom, or it was November, and that, Trump's own scientists disagree with him, warned global warming is catastrophic. Trump's own scientists! It was Obama's Andrew Light, the UN negotiator who helped steer it. Activists from the far left Union of Concerned Scientists wrote the report. It read like a press release from Greenpeace, but the Trump administration gave it zero point pushback other than Trump himself. Yeah. The EPA administrator rubber stamped it. NASA rubber they don't want to be seen as climate deniers. So my point being, if you don't push back on the science, AOC is actually right. If the American people are told and it's official government reports, UN reports that we endorse, fund, and support, and we don't push back on it, we don't offer anything officially government, we're told we're gonna die, the world's about to end, we have twelve years. And our answer as Republicans are is, oh that's too many regulations and that costs too much. If you're a true believer out there and you don't know any better because you're watching CNN, reading the New York Times, and you're listening to even the Trump administration, not Trump himself, you're going to buy the fact that, wait a minute, Republicans are all wet. So what's that naturally lead to, Sheila? One thing that I'm predicting it now, you heard it here first. Mitt Romney and a coalition of other weak-minded Republicans. Remember, the week Donald Trump pulled out of the UN Paris Agreement, what was Mitt Romney publicly doing? Begging Donald Trump publicly to stay in the UN Paris Agreement. Mitt Romney as the gadfly senator, the replacement for John McCain, is likely to be the one who comes up with the Me Too Republican version of the Green New Deal, which is going to be a Green New Deal light and be a, quote, free market solution, and it's going to have all the, you know, never Trumpers signing on to it. That's my prediction of what's going to end up happening here. And so it's going to be an advancement in the cause of central planning. Republicans will capitulate ultimately, not Donald Trump, not necessarily his administration, but I think there's going to be a whole movement of Republicans who are afraid to stand up to the science. Well, global warming is a problem. We need to do something. I know. Let's come up with New Deal light. We'll have the Green New Deal light. Uh, what's a, what's another word for light green? What would you call it? The pale green New Deal or something? I don't know. <laughs> More like the pale green horse of the apocalypse. But there's something up over there on what's up with that. Of course, Mann versus Stein likely to head to Supreme Court. Mr. Hockey Stick climate model creator Michael Mann going to Supreme Court. That is going to be really interesting. 
Yeah, and this has been going on, I want to say, like eight, nine years now. <laughs> and here's a funny little known fact. This is because Stein at National Review, and they, they, they made jokes about during the Jerry Sandusky, you know, whatever, pedophile scandal that I can't remember the joke now, but it basically it was a joke about Michael Mann working at the same university and that, he, you know, and so Michael Mann is claiming he was defamed because he was compared to Sandusky and that's all part of it. And there was also other phrases. But if you look at the legal filing and in response to Michael Mann, it's all about how uh, Climate Depot Mark Morano had attacked Michael Mann worse and how, Mike, how come <laughs> Michael Mann wasn't going after Mark Morano. He never did. And actually, I debated Michael Mann on BBC, or it was actually a controlled debate where BBC controlled my microphone. And But anyway, they cut me out of the final product and they didn't have all my sound bites in, my words in. But Michael Mann, very thin-skinned, going on for, uh, you know, this is going to be a decade before this is actually resolved. I give Mark Stein a lot of credit for not giving in on, and fighting this thing to the tooth and nail, but it just goes to show you, Michael Mann got the same lawyers at one point, I don't know if he still has them, who represented Marlboro cigarettes. So yeah. they always talk about climate deniers are like big tobacco denying the evidence. Uh, here we have the chief climate change promoting scientists hiring the lawyers from Philip Morris in order to fight against denier, evil deniers. Evil climate deniers like us, as RFK Jr. said, us climate skeptics should be at the Hague with all the other war criminals. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. said he wants a law to punish those who dissent from man-made climate change theory. They're contemptible human beings. You know, three cots and a hot at the Hague with the other war criminals. Does it surprise you how much, though, the fake news and these ridiculous headlines, we're just getting a steady diet of all this verbal diarrhea, all this propaganda. They never rebut this stuff either. They don't allow anybody to even rebut it or refute it. No, they never do. In fact, if you literally, say you're a, a high school kid or any kind of news consumer and you just read the Washington Post, New York Times, CNN, you would literally think that polar bears were going extinct, that sea level rise was accelerating, that the Earth has experienced its hottest years on record, that we only have 10 years. It's like lunacy. It's almost the point where it's almost like, let them think it. The only problem is these people have a right to vote, and that's scary. <laughs> but what happened was, and it's a huge shift, and it was about 2014-15, I used to regularly go on CNN. Will Happer, other scientists would go, John Christie. I mean, people would go on CNN all the time and debate. CNN, the LA Times, New York, everyone made, CBS News all made a conscious public decision. They were no longer going to host climate deniers. And CBS went as far as to say, the same reason we won't interview Holocaust deniers, we won't interview a climate denier on global warming. And what happened was on the mainstream media, the voices of dissent have literally gone silent. And this includes BBC as well. This includes NBC's Meet the Press. Just last week, Chuck Todd, or not last week, but it was about a month ago, Chuck Todd did a whole special on it. He did a whole opening where he did his disclaimer where we won't even acknowledge that there's any dissent on this issue because all scientists agree. And they went on and just had a bunch of alarmists on. They had one weak person who was from a think tank. I want to say it was American Enterprise or something, but she was totally unprepared, said a lot of really cringeworthy things in a weak way, but she wasn't really challenging the science. And then what happens is that's still very effective because the voices of dissent have been silenced in the mainstream media. And then you have Trump administration officials, Republican senators and congressmen. They're not seeing any representation on these shows, so they get more intimidated. Their staff gets intimidated. And so now we've lost a lot of the Star Wars. Senator Inhofe is no longer on this issue really much at all. Yeah. Dana Rohrbacher lost. Lamar Smith from Texas is gone. We need new strong leaders on this. They're, they're few and far between. And this is where we are. So what's happened is Republicans have gone silent on it. And they're using that to bully to the point where the International Ski Federation 
generation president came out and mocked global warming and all the record snow they're having and now there's calls for him to resign he may be forced out of his job because he made some comments that he didn't join in on the climate religion so it's very effective what the mainstream media is doing in a sense i think we were losing the debate the last few years in public opinion because there's no official and trump has been the worst in the administration because if you have a skeptical president who's pulling out of u.n overturning obama he himself will talk about the science but he doesn't have a science czar he doesn't have cabinet members willing to back him up it looks to the public like wow there must be something to this global war. it must be a problem because even trump's administration's silent they don't push back on the u.n they don't yeah. push back on the federal climate reports only trump himself makes these off-the-cuff comments and tweet and tweets it's devastating I, I mean as an outsider trying to wage this i'm i'm hurting to come up with a, a counter to this because we're just getting pounded pounded and there's no official government pushback am i depressing you enough <laughs> <laughs> well john christie was just named an epa science advisor that's good news isn't it that's good news that's still i'm still wondering how much what he's actually going to do i mean i like john christie a lot but i think they're going to limit him very severely and it's not a high pro prominent high profile role he's just on an advisory board i believe oh, okay. so well we are up against a huge mountain here and especially now that we know these numbers out of this green new deal the gnd as i i call it i mean this thing mark if you really look at what she's talking about here she wants to implement a carbon free 100 percent renewable energy system in a modernized electric grid by 2035 i mean the policies in here the green jobs the infrastructure replacing out every single person's appliances going carbon neutral is pretty I, I mean this thing is a sci-fi mark yeah the estimates i've seen are like 750 trillion but i also ding donald trump i love donald trump as a president but i will ding donald trump there and that was before he even was president he never put a priority on limiting the size scope of, of federal budgets uh in right. terms of that so he has presided over just massive expansion of spending and yeah, his original budget was great you know i remember mick mulvaney his omb director coming out talking about we're gonna cut this we're gonna cut his budget was dead on arrival when the Republicans saw it on Capitol Hill. Just DOA. It wasn't even debated as far as I remember. So what this means is AOC comes into an environment where one thing, it was one thing, Sheila, having worked in Capitol Hill and Observer for 40 years, there is one thing is uncontroversial in Washington, and that is spending money. So in terms of the absurd aspects, and I've seen estimates 50 trillion, 100 trillion, just like there's no price tag on this, but that's not controversial because Washington has sort of just gone off the deep end. And really, I hate to say it, but it was 9-11 and the presidency of George W. Bush that this mindset came in. The idea that money was just didn't matter, go into as much debt as possible, spend as much as you can, fight the war on terror, expand homeland security, et cetera, et cetera, fight wars over, prolong wars. Then Obama comes in, does massive green stimuluses, massive spending bills, no end in sight. Then Trump comes in and just has no restraint on it. The Republicans are weak at this point, so it's a natural culmination. So AOC is coming into an environment. I will say this, the least crazy thing about her plan is how much it costs, because Washington, it's not controversial. That's just, oh, okay, whatever. Throw out any number. What even comes after trillions? Because that's what we got to start talking about. Yeah. I can't remember. Do you know? I have, to look, I have to Google that. What's the division higher than trillion? I think uh, it's a gazillion? quadrillion. Is that actually a word? No, I think, it, I think it's quadrillion. <laughs> is it quadrillion? I feel bad not knowing that. Higher than trillions. I think <laughs> it might be quadrillion. I think it's the same amount as in is Al Gore's bank account from all this. That's time. right. <laughs> 
Okay, just for your reference here, and I apologize for not knowing it off the top of my head, it's quadrillion, and then it goes quintillion, sextillion, I think that one's Al Gore with the masseuse, <laughs> septillion, octillion, nonillion, and decillion, however you say it. So there you go, but you're right, you were got it right. It's quadrillion. We're going to have to start talking in terms of federal budget in quadrillion, and that's not going to phase anyone. I don't see any different, I don't see any movement in the Republican Party to even change that in any, any time within our lifetime. I mean, we're perennially, perennially going to see massive record deficits in massive debt. I don't see any way to get out of that any time in our lifetime. I mean, that's just that's just Washington. So I repeat, the least controversial part of the Green New Deal is the cost. And it's just it's reality. Well, that, and that's what we're really trying to do is wake up people to this insanity. It's green lunacy. I'd love to shut down this Green New Deal. I'd love to shut down the United Nations. As a matter of fact, I heard this, this, I don't know, some pundit was on the TV and he's like, is it time to shut down the United Nations? I'm like, yes, yes, it is. I mean, <laughs> is there any chance of that ever happening, do you think, really? No, um, there's been a lot of movement toward that. It's never going to happen. Trump was as close as anyone we could have had to happen. And Trump has done a fantastic job of basically putting the United Nations in their place. And But what happens is it's an ebb and flow. So yeah. when you have a president like Trump, you're going to scale back a lot of the commitments and pull out of the bad stuff. But then we're going to get the next president. They're going to put us right back in. But generally speaking, Trump and a Ronald Reagan are going to be your rare presidents that even care. You're going to end up with New World Order types like George H.W. Bush, George W. Bush, Mitt Romney, McCain. Who else is on the horizon? I don't know, but I'm not that convinced that Mike Pence is going to be that strong. I, I just haven't, I, I can't imagine someone as quiet as he is and as unconfrontational is going to be able to take on and actually have real effective change in Washington. We'll see. Maybe his style is so different if he ever gets elected. We'll see on that. But to answer your question in the UN, I just, I think it's kind of like, here's, let me give you a quick, my version of history. The New Deal in the 1930s, Franklin Roosevelt decried as socialist central planning, killing economic growth. For how many years did Republicans campaign. Social Security, they ended up making peace with it. It's now part of a great society by Lyndon Johnson. Not only did great Lyndon Johnson propose it, and it, it, by all accounts, it destroyed the inner cities. It uh, destroyed black families. It, it, you had lowest unemployment in teenagers was among blacks. In the 1950s, a new great society comes along, and the highest out-of-wedlock births were among the lowest among African Americans. Richard Nixon funds a great society. Republicans fight it and eventually accept it. Obamacare passes. Republicans fight it, say they were they don't. The march of big government continues unabated, no matter who's president. And what I'm trying to get at here is that I don't know that we're going to be able to reverse all of this stuff. You mentioned the UN. You mentioned if the Green New Deal passes. It's just these things become the, the closest thing to eternal life on Earth is government bureaucracy and government expansion of power. I don't think we're going to evolve out to smaller government. There's got to be some kind of collapse, which Absolutely. maybe back to the aforementioned massive debt that we have. Maybe that'll be our way out to rebuild. But, you know, I'm sounding very pessimistic today only because I think the first two years of Trump are over. All the excitement is sort of gone from his action. I think now he's going to be status quo. And if you go back to Reagan's first term, not much happened in the second two years as compared to the first two. And it all comes down to re-election. So I think we're done seeing massive stuff, especially with the Democratic Congress. So it's just going to be a lot of conflict and not much happening, which is good. I mean, gridlock's always good in Washington. You don't want much to happen. But in terms of reversing stuff, I think we're done unless he's re-elected. 
But I mean, notable climate related goals in this thing, meeting 100% of the power demand in the US through clean, renewable and zero emission. Yeah, why not? Just say it, it'll <laughs> happen. You know, I, 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 a guy named Mark Mathis had a great analogy. He said, if I just want to announce I'm going to build a car that can fly and I'll be flying it next week. Great. Give me money. Pat me on the back. Give me lots of publicity. I'll talk to cheering crowds. Do you think that car is actually going to be built and be flying out of my garage? No. Do you think we're going to be off renewable energy? No. It doesn't matter. It's feel good. It's aspirational goal. It's, it's what you do. It's the tippy top of their plans, as she likes to say about the <laughs> It's the tippy top of their ambition. You can't knock that. This is our goal and you have to pursue the goals and the policy will follow. I mean, no, I mean, we are, we are, it's like one to two percent is solar and wind everywhere it's being tried. Even the high speed train in California going bust. Gavin Newsom repealing Jerry Brown's train happening in other states. The, the Texas town that Al Gore highlighted as 100 percent renewable is now basically going bankrupt and all their citizens are paying huge electric bills because of the experiment. We're not hearing Al Gore touting that town now. I can't remember what it was called in Texas. It's featured in his sequel. So all of this stuff is just pipe dream stuff. But hey, it's OK. You got to give them a pass on the reality part because they're trying to save the planet. The scientists have told us it's so bad. And hey, I don't hear Donald Trump's administration pushing back at all. There's no one. His own scientists support it. You see what I'm saying? It's If you're getting the sense here that I'm starting to blame Trump and the Republicans as much as I can, we need to focus on where we can make change and who's responsible. And the Republicans right now and how they're responding to this, I think, are the problem. I like Mitch McConnell's idea of doing a vote to try to embarrass Democrats, but that's you know short-term tactical thinking. Yeah. Long-term, this is a real problem that's not going away, I don't think. I think, I think they're going to get their lesson. The memo is don't be specific. Keep it vague and you'll be able to survive with this Green New Deal for the next election and use it. And by the way, it was Georgetown, Texas powering itself with uh, solar and wind. But of course, now the city's losing millions in its green energy gamble. So that's good to know. (laughs) Yes, yes. Georgetown. I was going to say Paris, Texas. I don't know why Paris was in my head. Because Paris. I I didn't know quadrillion. You knew that. So I'm not as sharp today. I don't know what's wrong. No, I I think uh, maybe the green insanity is getting to us. I I wonder if there's is there a pill for that we could we hey in my sequel and I, I, I profile NYU bioethicist Michael Lau who's offering psychotropic drugs pills and medicines for people who don't care about climate and the environment so if you're an evil climate denier and you don't care rather than jail you they can medicate you to care and, I, and that's not a joke I mean I have all the clips of this guy on TV interviews I got his speeches I'm putting that together for my sequel to Climate Hustle Climate Hustle 2 The Heretic actually that's Exorcist 2 The Heretic the old movie but it's going to be called Climate Hustle 2 and uh, with a subtitle and that's going to be coming out next year <laughs> I think we need to call it Climate Hustle 2 The Exorcism <laughs> <laughs> We have to exercise science and our public from this uh, this insanity and by the way the insanity the latest on that to do an update from our last interview the kids climate strikes you heard it here first it started in Sweden it spread to other countries in Europe now it went to the UK uh, last week and I'm talking about elementary school middle school and high school is striking from school to go protest in the town squares against government inaction on climate. It used to be you protested, you burn your draft card, you'd be protesting government, but they're actually asking for more government. They want government to control the weather, climate, temperature, sea levels, etc. So they're skipping school to do it. Here's where you heard it first. That movement within two to three months or less will be coming to the United States and it's going to be the David Hogg type moment in in terms of the that's for gun control. But I think there's going to be a whole movement in the U.S. of kids before the end of this, you know, before 
June, there's going to be a mass movement of kids striking. And it's really sad because these are, in some cases, very young kids who believe their future is doomed because government's not acting, in quotes, on climate. And therefore, they need to skip school. I actually have quoted one 15-year-old girl who said there's no reason to go to school when we have no future because government won't act on climate change. Kind of like there's no point to being in school. We have no future anyway. But I'm so, you know, it doesn't even phase me at all that they say all this. It's just so beyond the The reason is, is because I'm dealing with this. I mean, I've done all the, I've got all the sound bites, the quotes. I got all, I have a whole section on kids that will blow your mind in this sequel. The things they're saying, the depression, the sadness, the encouragement by the adults. It's so depressing to watch. But on the other, I guess what's, I still haven't thought of the right word for what I'm describing for myself. It's just nothing shocks me is what I'm getting at. And it's, uh, it's really tragic. Yeah, it is tragic, Mark, when a person gets so desensitized, numbed, jaded. I mean, you just kind of, when you look at all the buffoonery, is that a name? I don't know. It's just, it's green buffoonery. What really bugs me about this, when kids, you just mentioned the kids' climate cult, this is frightening. I don't know if you saw, who was it, Diane Feinstein and all these little kids are like, oh, you know, we only got 10 more years. And all these little scripted kids, little children are convinced that, well, they shouldn't even be born because of climate change. And that part really ticks me off. But the good news that at least people are waking up, Mark, your book, I just noticed it in like a Vancouver Walmart. It's in Target. It's everywhere. So that part of it is great because it is waking people up. So congrats for that. Thank you. Yeah, we got Target, uh, Barnes & Noble, Amazon. It's been certified an Amazon bestseller. I'm in the fourth printing. It's very hard for these bookstores to ignore it now. A year since its publication, it just was number one beating Carl Sagan's Cosmos 1980 book, which is a perennial bestseller on Amazon. It just beat it. It's been in the number one slot in climatology as early as la- recent as last week. It ebbs and flows, but it's been doing very well. I'm getting uh, calls from all over the country and, uh, and interviews. The reason it's so good is the reason it's I think it's selling so well is because I lay out the case. It's like a, a how-to manual on how to educate yourself and fight back on this, particularly for parents when their kids have been indoctrinated in this. And it's not coming from anywhere else. And what I mean by that is you can't go to Trump's administration's NASA page and get this information. You can't go to the EPA site and get this information. I pulled together Nobel Prize winning scientists, former United Nations scientists, Ivy League scientists, scientists who used to work at NASA, NOAA, and I've collected their scientific thoughts and I've cited the papers and it's all in one place and I did it in a layman friendly way so that's that is why that's the key thing this book I tried to be humorous funny and it's a light touch in terms of that and it's very easy in, in layman's terms the whole book is written and it's really pretty too the girls say Mark so there you go <laughs> <laughs> yes people love the cover it's the polar bear surfing on the wave as the ice melts so it's, I tried to have some fun with it but the book is really nice too and I think I agree with Sean Hannity when I say the climate scare ends with this book. It's really not just up to Mark, though. It's really up to all of us. People have got to start standing up against this agenda, don't they? They really do. I mean, I mentioned the ski president. We've gotten to a point now the last few years where a Republican senator, if you, even in a town hall and a swing, he's very afraid to say that they're skeptical of the science. They're going to just say, oh, well, global warming is a problem. Well, other solutions. And I supported that bill. I supported the solar subsidy bill. Well, that's what their instinct is. And that's why I'm saying the next step is going to be the 
Republican New Green Deal light version. Uh, but people need to stand up, challenge the basic premise of the science that anything government can do can control the climate. And also, there's nothing unprecedented about our current climate. And I pound that point over and over in the book. I actually quote one prominent European scientist who says, if we didn't have modern thermometers and instrumentation, we wouldn't even have noticed the warming of the last hundred years that's supposedly going to be so catastrophic that all this stuff is happening. The climate catastrophe, yes. Uh, when is your Climate Hustle 2 coming out, Mark? Next year. It's going to be, pro- we're looking at the, uh, next year's a presidential election year. We're looking at before May of next year. So okay. it's probably going to be between January and May of next year. Okay, so early spring of 2020. We really look forward to that. I personally think you're brilliant, you're brave, and you're hilarious. And you really, you know, you're trying to keep it lighthearted. But, you know, the struggle's real because it's tough when there's so few of us out there. But thank you for everything that you do, Mark. And we hope to have you back on real soon. Thank you very much. And I'll be speaking out in Seattle, Washington in the end of April. Uh, I'll be giving a keynote speech at a big conference out there uh, on carbon taxes and the latest in the Green New Deal. So if any of your listeners, are, I don't know how far you are from Seattle, but we'd love to have you come down. Oh, well, I'd love to get out there. If you're going to be there, I would love to come and I will get more information from you and I'll let my listeners know where they can come out and see you. We really want to come out and support stuff like that, especially for my listening audience in Seattle. Folks, that was Mark Morano. I've got his information link below, climatedepot.com. You can check out all his handiwork and make sure you do go and order this book right now do support mark's work you know what it's it's tough you guys he's so correct when he says all the dissenters they're trying to silence us all especially conservative christian voices so do support mark's work go right now and get a copy of mark's book the politically incorrect guide to climate change like i said hannity said the climate scare ends with this book mark levin says this book arms every citizen with a comprehensive dossier on just how science, economics, and politics have been distorted and corrupted in the name of saving the planet. You heard it here, folks. That is, again, Politically Incorrect Guide to Climate Change. And get a copy of Climate Hustle as well. The links are there below in the description, and you can just simply put it in a search on Amazon. Well, we got a fantastic show for the rest of the week, so stick around all week. You are not going to be disappointed. We have some great shows coming out. Do not forget go over there to youtube and follow me over there on youtube i've got um let's see over a hundred thousand subscribers now so yay this channel worked its way back up remember i lost my channel a few years ago we're back to a hundred thousand subscribers on this one even though the entire channel is demonetized folks so do please go over there to patreon and become one of my patrons today everybody can do something so i really appreciate your support folks and Stick around this week. It's going to be great. We'll see you real soon. Good night and God bless you all.